Welcome to another edition, and this one's a very special edition of Talking with WIT, Kevin and Son. And this is one of 100 episodes that we're doing talking about um, people and their habits of a highly effective life. We're talking about the secrets, too. Um, just listen to this. Whatever your objectives are, successful people create a framework around their day-to-day -day lives that enhances their life. This podcast will reveal the secrets of highly effective living. Today's guest will share with you simple and doable steps on how to turn bad habits into good habits, mastering the small behaviors that led to his big outcome and his success. Plus, he will share his story to how he created a seven-figure uh, business from learning and looking. Today's guest, he is a best-selling author and illustrator of the book, Learn From Looking, How Observation Inspires Innovation. As an entrepreneur, he has found founded Green and Safe, as well as multiple clean energy companies focused on LED lighting. In addition, he has also focused on performance design, business development, sustainable living, next generation agriculture, and as well, finding time to create a nonprofit for student farmers. He is a proud graduate of the University of Virginia with a master's degree from the University of Pennsylvania. He has earned millions at the same time, maintaining at a ripe old age, I think he's about 25, 30 or something like that, and he still has six pack abs. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome you to an episode of Talking with Kevin and Son. This episode is brought to you by RMK Productions and the 10 United Podcast Network. Um, to the power of story, our mission is to uplift through your voices, inspire, share stories and experience and perspectives using the framework of teaching, learning, and modeling. Our purpose is very simple, hope. And today's special guest and learning his secrets I want to introduce you to my good friend, my very special friend, Charlie Sarati. Charlie, welcome to the show. Kevin, thank you for hosting and having me today. I'm a fan of your podcast and you as a as a person for uh, so many years that in the, in the last few that we've really gotten to spend more time together. So thank you for having me. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, a lot of my guests. Uh, a lot of our listeners don't know who Charlie is. I, I know you. Um, you illustrated a great book, and it goes back um, years of um, putting things together and explaining it in a way that everyone will understand. And talking about making a change in this world, you are definitely the inspiration for change. You are the, that, that example of what the change should look like. So if you don't mind, can you give us a little background? Tell us your story, how you came to be. Charlie Cerati. Thank you. Thank you again so much. So just to put a visual to the conversation, Learn From Looking is the book. And what I did over the years, and this dates back to the early 1990s, is traveled overseas. A professor from the University of Pennsylvania gave me a brush pen that had ink in the handle and folding books that were used for kanji character writing in Japanese. He hired me to work overseas, and I started using the books as journals to have drawings. And what ended up happening is I would pause. I would pause in the streets of Tokyo. I then went on to pause in the streets of Budapest and all over the Yucatan islands around the world. And it was really interesting 
to see how people were living sustainable lives without necessarily high tech, not the solar panels and not the windmills, but doing some simple things. And so the book captures over two decades of my global travel, trained as an architect and really a critical thinker, pausing to imagine that we could do better. And one of my real simple examples that ties into the recent work I've done with student farmers is how you can grow some food. Well, in the outskirts of Budapest in a little village, I would see on windowsills, Kevin, mason jars that had cucumbers in them at the beginning of the summer. It turns out they grew the cucumbers and put them in the water with a little piece of bread and cheesecloth. The sun turned that water with a little sprig of dill into vinegar and made pickles. So it dawned on me that this was a very low tech way to go from farm to table. And it's a metaphor in a way for the way I've been thinking recently, which is we touch things so many times. Imagine an industrial farm that's growing cucumbers and the tractor trailer takes them to a factory. They're put in the brine. There's a glass jar that's molded and a label that's created with glue and a cap and it's shipped in cardboard and plastic to a distribution center. It's shipped again to a grocery store. A soccer mom and dad drives in the suburbs to pick it up in an SUV that uses a lot of fuel and they bring it back and they keep it in their fridge where maybe sometimes it doesn't even get eaten at the end because we have food waste. So that little example in the outskirts of Budapest made me think about simplicity, the simplicity of sustainable living that we can use our brains and patterns of behavior that we can take from some time that was before AI to advance our own health and our own wellness. Because it turns out the global industrial complex for production of food contributes about 24% to greenhouse gas emissions. So driving the cars is 14%. And I happen to have a Tesla and happen to have a solar house and you know I'm pretty sustainable in how I walk the talk. But imagine if we can start to address food and wellness because not only is that process contributing to global warming, but the moving of food from California, which is about 90% of veggies, ends up meaning that the four or five days in transit reduce 40 or more percent of nutrients. So now it's not only bad for the planet, it's not as healthy for us. So the right. simplicity was farm to table. Can we start growing some more food? Can we be conscious of a life cycle that goes into something that we may purchase. So there's a little example of how my brain works, Kevin. You 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 have a beautiful brain, and you know, um, for people like like me, I'm understanding um, the fewer hands on your food, the higher quality of the food. Am I correct? That that's right. So in the in the learnfromlooking.com, which is the portal for the book itself, it includes you know examples of literally all the things that I would see. And another one that goes beyond just food is uh, shelter. So a developer in the United States might cut down the trees on a field to build multiple suburban houses. We might do things on the outskirts of city or even in the cities without an overhang on the southern side of a house. Well, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but if you have about an 18-inch overhang, 
you can shade the sun in the summer when it's high in the sky and you can let it in to help heat your house in the winter. The earth is tilted at about 23 and a half degrees. So what you end up doing is using this sun, not only in the case of making the pickles, you know, out of a cucumber, but HVAC, right? Heating, ventilating, air conditioning, our homes and our offices. So the Amish, just, you know, an hour west of where you and I are today out in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, often have traditional roofs with an overhang. Mm -hmm. When I drive by and I see the house where it's only just the gutter line overhanging, I think they took the wood from the rafters and they cut it off and they didn't have to. They could have let that extension run and extend the benefits for a passive way of working with nature. So a lot of the learn from looking books are not about high tech sustainability. They're about the low tech. And I have uh, so many examples. I'll just share one of my, my other real favorites, which is in Japan, I would go to work in the morning on the bullet train, the high speed train that goes, you know, the equivalent of like 300 miles an hour. So like a low flying airplane, basically. And I would hear in the morning around six o'clock this. Turns out it was a woman bent over and paunched like maybe four and a half feet tall with a bamboo brush. And she was sweeping the platform. Well, on the way to the train platform, there was a grove of bamboo and she would harvest one of the most renewable, fastest growing plants in the history of earth and make them into the shoots into a brush. Imagine in America, 25 years later, we still don't have the bullet high speed trains. And even if we did, we'd have a plastic brush that involved fossil fuel and production and a shipping path and packaging to get even something like a brush to the platform. So this culture, and it's not that I love the Japanese culture more than others, it was just inspiring to see the adoption of very high-tech technology with very low-tech. And that brush is a couple thousand years old, right? They figured out how to make a brush. It's made from local materials, literally across the street from the train station. And it's bound with the twine that comes from the jute, which they happen to grow. And the craft has been passed down and how it's sort of wound and stitched for multiple generations. And the waste is fully biodegradable. So like that example of the cucumbers to the pickle or the overhang on the house or the brush are all just examples of how you pause and you think, what are we doing in our lives today in the United States that might be overkill? Overkill in how we package and move these Amazon trucks through every neighborhood as we're talking, the thousands of packages that have been delivered with all that plastic and all that cardboard. So it's kind of a reductive mindset in a way, not that we can stop buying things, but we just at least become aware of how that cycle of life impacts ourselves and impacts the planet. But but how do we, I mean, all that you said makes sense to someone that cares. We, we live in a very, very uh, convenient society. If it's not instant, if we have to work, work out, it's just like working out. No one really wants to work out. I mean, you and I see every single day, 
Um, they they people join these very high end um, health clubs, and most of us that are committed. I talked about your six pack abs, and I, I see you work out every single day. And um, you have to wait for a piece of equipment because they're checking their social media. You know, we we have people that are very successful that should be cooking their own meals that prefer to eat eat out during the course of a day because it's convenient. We still have, um, you know, and, and people are going to kill me for for this. And I've got a fitness book, and I'm I'm saying, you know, there's no such thing as an obese child. It's their pusher that's obese that's creating an obese child because of convenience. We live in a society that is easier to pull up to a small window and have our food delivered to us that has a uh, 67 uh, second um, uh, heat ratio on it before it turns back into its original product and we consume it before it destroys us and little do we know what it's doing to us. What do we do? How do how do we educate that person to put a shovel in the ground or put dirt into a pot and wait for a seed to produce food? How do we convince that change that mindset? Well, let's talk about the dollars, because what's so interesting about something like pickles is you could have, if you had a garden behind your house, the ability to grow cucumbers and make some pickles. You can actually save some dollars. But that's that's a little bit more than most people would want to do. I have with trays of microgreens on windowsills, one of the highest productive superfoods in the history of the world. The broccoli, arugula, and turnip, tur basically turnips, which is a bat mix, has the antioxidants, helps with strength, helps with cancer reduction, helps reduce dementia, on unbelievable benefits. Well, there's about 50 cents of seeds to make a $5 tray of microgreens. So let's talk about what you referenced, cost and convenience. If it's right in front of you and you don't have to go out to the store to get it, if it's growing each week, so this isn't like you wait a month. This is like five to seven days. The cost is one-tenth of what you would pay at a store. So now all of a sudden, I'm telling this story to my, my mom, who's in her early 80s. And she went and won at age 60 and 65 the Marine Corps Marathon, Kevin. Like this is, this is the woman who climbed Machu Picchu, Denali, and took us to the Galapagos Islands with the, with the grandkids. So right. no, no messing around for my, for my mom. She was telling me just over the, the weekend about how she makes her own yogurt from milk because she got tired of paying for the little uh, exotic packages that are organic from the store, you know, that are several dollars. She's making the equivalent of quarts of yogurt, you know, for 50 and 60 cents. So what's what's so interesting is a little bit of time and forethought. And part of the student farmers and the training with our initiative with Plan, Plant, Planet is that you can do things that benefit yourself and benefit the planet and have a lower cost and a faster convenience than just clicking on your phone to have something ordered and delivered. So right. it's part of breaking a pattern of, of ease. I mean, God bless Bezos for having a, a you know a, a multi-million billion dollar business. But honestly, in the history of the world, we're going to look back and think that that didn't really help from a job creation because it's eroded some retail. It hasn't helped with some of the localized farmers because everything can be flown and shipped. So part of this conversation today is about self-reliance at a local level. Local first has been one of my real pushes. And it has to do with one of the five 
you know, sort of secrets of success where critical thinking is one, but this idea of collaboration and innovation, is there something you grow and share with a neighbor? Like I grow all of the, the red peppers. I glow, grow all of the uh, cherry tomatoes. I sometimes have too much kale. Well, I'm sharing it with my neighbors in this condo tower because I feel that that's a form of collaboration. I'm sharing information with students in the underserved community of Philadelphia and some grants that we're now really exploring to spread the word. So collaboration is key. We cannot do it alone. It's I joke that sustainability, Kevin, is a team sport. You have to have partners and alliances. And maybe it's a source where someone has too many cucumbers and they're a neighbor in the in the suburbs or one of the urban farms. And then you decide to make the pickles out of them for your for yourself and your family. Small thinking can lead to big, big change. And and every um, big idea started with a small group of people with a big idea and making it big. Um, I'm going to, you talk about um, collaboration and innovation. I'm going to introduce you to a young lady I had on my podcast um, last week. Her name is Dr. Monique Wells. She is um, a free thinker, a lot like you. In your book, um, uh, Learn from Looking, you said two things about perspective. Um, can you do you remember what it, what it was when you said that you had two definitions on perspective? Well, I came up with this term perspective venture and the idea of venture capital is sometimes deemed as just like capitalism at an extreme, right? The companies invest in the in the startups to make, you know, 10 times their money. But the idea of perspective is to pause and zoom out and to see what the bigger implications are to have impact. So that idea of a perspective venture is spend the time in your life to at least take the time to think about the short-term and the long-term as well as the impact on your community. So in my case, I have an ability to share words that are synchronized in a sentence and enjoy talking to people. Students, whether it was a Radnor Red talk at a, at a high school recently, or whether it's going to a conference and actually having a much bigger, bigger audience. So could be a small group of young people, could be a larger group of professionals. Our future food conference, you know, was one of these groups with 24 speakers from around the world about the future of food. So that community of macrobiotic enthusiasts that are trying to look at alternatives for protein when it comes to the quadpeds, the cows and the pigs, you know, what can we do? Not with just impossible burgers, but cooking tofu and teaching people about how to create taste and flavor and things that might not be on their wish list initially, right? Introducing people in that community. So I think community engagement is just taking some time to also volunteer for nonprofits. Launch of Philadelphia is one here in our, in our community which is trying to help the young people who didn't have a chance to necessarily go to a college and get a career path. And they need kind of a reboot and they need some inspiration. So I fuel off of the energy in many cases of the young people that are looking for ways to do something interesting with their lives. And that's been one of my, one of my passions. 
And believe it or not, the, the, the key to change is our young people, our youth, um, 18 to 24. I mean, like Absolutely. anything in our, our history that has ever happened, all of our, our leaders, all of our destroyers, all have been young people with grandiose ideas. It's funny that when you, when you, when you mention this, I never put two and two together, is that um, several years ago, um, I became vegan. And um, when someone asked me, where do I get my protein from? I asked, where did you get yours? And they said, from a cow. I said, you ever ask a cow where he gets his protein from? Right. The cow's right. a middleman. You're, you're exactly right. And um, I, I started to do a crop share when you talk about the community. You know, I uh, I never knew what real bacon turned, uh, tasted like before I became vegan until I joined a, um, a share where I actually got it from the animal directly to my plate. When you talk about... The lesser hands, the fresher the fruit. Bacon does not taste the way it tastes from the, from the grocery store. I would never, ever, if I had to, eat another piece of bacon before. And I know that, you know, if anyone wants to do what they did to Oprah, this is my choice. I'm not telling people to follow me. This is my choice. When you talk about, you know, how your body uh, assimilates nutrition, you know, like you said, the uh, more hands on your food, the, the less your food is for you. Um, so the closer to the ground and to your plate, the better it is for you. But I also, all of my herbs and everything else, I grow on my back deck. Okay. Exactly. You don't have to have a big yard. You could be a windowsill. And, and I'll tell you the, the hard work, which is the, the fourth of the five secrets of success, right? So the three C's we covered, which was the critical right. thinking, the collaboration for, for innovation, and then community engagement. Hard work to me can be done in a small way and in an intense level to learn something and get a process going like say planting the um the herbs might be perceived by some people as hard work that's not just watching netflix but once you've done it the watering can come from the sky or once a week you know it gets easier so i don't think you have to always work hard I think of hard work as surging, kind of like at the at the gym. You know, you work to failure sometimes, and then you have a break day to recover, and maybe right. there's a cardio. So it's not always the same rhythm of work, but when you work, you work intelligently and hard to set a goal and accomplish that goal with a timeline, right, just to knock it out. And then you pause and you circle back and you get feedback from some friends. That's part of that whole you know, community engagement and collaboration. You can go on the internet and learn all kinds of tricks on planting herbs, but guess what? The, the editing of the YouTube is insanely complex, right? Because you don't know who's got the right answer. My rule is three. If three people agree that it needs X number of um, touches of the water in either ounces or gallons, <laughs> then that's probably the right, at least closer to the right answer. Right. All then right. just pick the first response with a, right. with a video. Now, um, real quick, how, how does someone get your book? Okay. So learn from looking name of the book is also the dot com. So learn from looking.com. They can order the book. It's available. There are links to the Amazon to everywhere else. And it comes with, with an, a digital book and an audible. It's my voice narrating it. And with this, with this book, it's, you know, tens of thousands of words and like all the drawings in it you know, include these pullouts from everything that I've done over the over the years. And I think it's a worthy um, exercise for someone 
to dig into at least a couple chapters to see if it's the right play. On learnfromlooking.com, you've got previews of the drawings and all the content. It's not just a little, you know, snippet. It's whole, you know, whole chapters for them to see if it's the right, if it's the right kind of document for them to dig into. I love the response people have to it because the drawings were done in the field. They're not from photographs standing there in the villages and the towns and looking at how different people have lived in different ways over a couple decades was cathartic for me. Like I, I used standing in the field with my pen as a way to draw the information from my eye and my brain through to my, through to my hand. And it's really a treat for me to share that information with, with people, whether they're young students or retirees, there's something in there for, for everyone to, to benefit. Now, your way of life and your way of, way, way of thinking goes against uh, capitalism. All right. What, well, but I what made the money doing this stuff so along the way that it's 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 parallel path, I think. Right. You can do yeah. good and make money. Um, but what about the pushback between, you know, all the people that have their hands on, on the product and you're saying shorten the product and go to um, um, to local farmers and buy your produce and your your, your meats and, and so forth. Is there uh, a, a group of people that do not want you to have this conversation? And how, well, how are you receiving that? Th- thank you for the setup, because uh, community supported agriculture, local farmers, the family farmers have been overtaken since the Second World War by literally about half a dozen major industrial agriculture businesses that have rolled up and rolled up and bought all these farms. So I don't see it as someone losing a job from a major corporation. I see it as a shift where the jobs are brought back to the local community. And this is why Local First has been one of the initiatives for the Learn From Looking and the, and the other initiatives. So having been able to make a living as author, as founder of companies, I believe it's about job creation and a sustainable wage. You see the downside to some of the, um, the Amazon play, which is warehouse retail, right? Like it used to be, you'd go to a store and you might meet with someone at the hardware store or in our little town of Wayne, Pennsylvania, there was a baby gap retailer. Well, it's now empty on the main street because people are just ordering off the internet. And you may have heard the stories about the Amazon workers that have to like pee in a Gatorade bottle because they don't have enough break time to get half a mile across the giant warehouse to the restroom. I mean, like terrible conditions, like stereotypical of what we saw with like, you know, child labor and the laws that were created to protect, you know, people that didn't have a voice. Big issues there for lifestyle wage you know, working in a warehouse for a major e-commerce company versus a retailer that might have a slightly higher margin. So this is cost, like, you know, where in that benefit of just being able to click from your sofa on your phone and have it show up versus being part of a community, recognizing someone, sharing a story about why we should have done better in the last uh, half of the season with the Eagles at the hardware store, you know, like, community like actually engage whether it's the sixers or the eagles or the flyers or the phillies like i love finding ways to connect with people remembering their name they get a little tip then 
on what they did maybe in their home, if it's at the hardware store with something or at the garden center. So that idea of community engagement can be soft. It can be conversations that are had. And I love that we can have jobs that are paying not just the minimum wage, but a lifestyle wage for people to thrive. That's the hope. Right. Um, what recommendations would you have for someone that wanted to start to grow um, food, easy food, uh, herbs and, and so forth in, in their home, their windowsills and, and so forth? What are the, if, if I was to say five things that you should basically um, be able to grow on your own and have part of your, your, your staple, what would those be? Sure. So the, the nonprofit that we have, Student Farmers, also has the web address that's just the name of the company, studentfarmers.org. The microgreens, which grow within seven days, are an awesome starter way to get your head around growing food at home. The kits come with little seeds, and they're off to the races when it comes to how the, um, you know, the plants with just a little bit of water can start to germinate. And in the third day, put it on the windowsill and you're off to the races when it comes to the um, the harvest at the end of that same week. So it's really exciting for people to be able to see something grow that fast versus, you know, a, a tomato plant where you're planting it in the spring and you don't harvest till, you know, later in the in the summer. So that's a starter set. When it comes to the page of resources on student farmers, there's a whole curriculum that I have about windowsill farming for herbs and other leafy greens and things, getting the grow cubes that are pennies each into trays, getting the seeds and germinating and sources for the seeds and everything else. So student, studentfarmers.org is a great starting point for those for those conversations. Now, this is going to be a stupid question. Um, prob I'm a little older than you. Um, I remember when we were kids, we used to take a paper towel, put it in a mason jar, Put a little water in it and put a seed uh, on the on the side of it and we would document how it grows do they still do that in school they do and i think that it would be surprising at what level with the kindergarten stuff they stop doing it but it's like i would imagine that the teachers sometimes think well that's been taught right and my suggestion would be like each spring bring it back even for the high school kids like there's a joke that like Everything you need to know, you learned in kindergarten, right? Right. Like we teach some of that stuff when kids are young. And the reality is we probably then focus too much on memorizing the sequence of like presidents of the United States when they're, you know, taking their American history class. So we, right. we, we lose some of the things that we should have, you know, when it comes to um, just general knowledge in, uh, in high school, I think. We, could, we should revisit some of those things. Yeah. So wh why do you do this? Why is this important to you? And why is this part of your lifestyle? So I've done it for so many years now, just because I like the idea of feeling better personally and physically that like my health and wellness is better than I think I was in my 20s and 30s. And I'm 57 years old. So the and idea was six pack abs and you have abs was I was selfish. And then I realized people were asking, you know, what are you up to? Like, you know, and I would share the story. You can tell just in my conversational tone, I don't mind sharing some stories. So like that idea of communicating came from basically um, an aspiration 
to to be well. And I've seen you at the gym as well, Kevin. So like you for the age, no one would guess your age accurately. They would miss it by like a full decade. So whatever you're doing, you keep it, you keep it up. But it was not a plan to make money. And having the nonprofit was a way to structure it as a 501c3 registered to give back. The book, honestly, is not some giant revenue stream. It was really about documenting all the things I'd seen and feeling like I was so fortunate to get invited to work overseas, to have travel experiences. I had fire safes in the house full of literally hundreds and hundreds of linear feet of those folding books. And my kids then in grade school were like, Dad, you ought to share this with someone else, you know, just outside of the family and friends. So I had a photographer document all of it, got out all my notes from grad school and all the travel and put it all into um, into the Word document that then was edited and refined, you know, to make the book. So it wasn't the plan to be an author and it wasn't the plan to be a, um, a local farm advocate. Both of those really came from my desire to to share and improve what I'd done that felt good for for myself. And I, I, I will personally tell you, I'm glad that you you did it. And uh, I contribute um, my health and through fitness, good nutrition. Um, I have not been in a fast food restaurant since I graduated from college. I would say that because I had I worked a year or so at a um, Golden Arches as a manager. And that was not a career. That was a um, a job at that time that helped me pay sure. for college. But I, I'm a firm believer you are what you eat. And you are an example as to how you live. And you're you're the perfect example of uh, living a good life. Um, clean well, living. I'll tell you, I, I really appreciate that. In the, the the final in the in the question about the five sort of secrets of success is uh, is tenacity for me, which is don't give up, drive through it. If it looks like something maybe isn't working to the full extent. Pause again, reboot, engage with that community, collaborate, find the ways to get the answers and then drive forward, forward again. Because I think I was working out at the at the gym and I'm running now Olympic triathlon. So it's, you know, swimming almost a mile, biking 25 and then and then running uh, 10K is, is just over six miles. I wasn't eating enough food. I wasn't building the strength and I had to pause and not give up on like the path but just retool the process. So the tenacity in me made me realize that it was, it was worthy of the goal, the end result, but I had to retouch and revisit the path. So I didn't veer off the path itself. It was the stepping stones along the path. And that tenacity was like, stick with it. Don't give up just because you didn't see maybe the results as fast as you would like set realistic goals and then and then plod forward and share your share your story that's been been part of my journey you know i am so glad that you are one of the 100 people that i wanted to showcase in my circle of friends that are have a highly effective living lifestyle you know most people think success is always to to your bank account or how much you you have parked in your garage or whatever the case may be but the attitude of success based on perspectives and interpretation, you are truly a gift, man. You are truly a gift. You're, you're I, a gift as, as well. And I'll 
tell you that I'm so excited to speak and share the share the stories and information that the plan plant planet message is about planning your life and planting things and it's good for you and the planet. It's plan dash plant dash planet.com. And the book Charlie is there for speaking engagements. So if anyone listening is interested in having me share this story or, or nuances of this story with their staff or with their community, it could be at a YMCA. I've charged sometimes what seems like now a, a silly amount of money to speak, but I donate time to speak for nonprofits and community organizations. If it's local, I can just drive in or if I can get a, a, a travel opportunity, I'll do it. So it's an offer to share much more of this sign books. I've given away books to the kids as well. So if it's something where I can add value to your listeners, I'm so honored to be included today, but wanted to convey to the audience that Charlie's available to keep sharing this story. And I think to my, my listeners, you should take Charlie up on this. Every school um, in the Philadelphia or the East on the East Coast should have a conversation with Charlie if you're feeding um, our children. Every corporation if you want to be more productive, believe it or not, when your people are well-fed, well-hydrated, and well-nourished, uh, they produce better and they have better attitudes. Um, we talk about our millennials or whatever. Get them to stop eating, getting them to get their nutrition out of a um, a product that has a longer lifespan than they do and have them ha go, go hand to earth, you know, and go from there. Um, Charles? Great point. Just to, to to reference it, the mental health that comes with the physical wellness is one of those things that I think we'll look back on in many years. And the, and the fast food and the level of obesity, which is over 40 percent in the United States, has a mental casualty, which is really a liability now in the, in the country. So whether it's diabetes or heart disease, so being well can be physically fit and mentally fit. And part of the sustainability approach is to have both. All right. So real quick, um, how do we get your book and how does someone hire you or get you to speak? How, how do we reach you? That's what I'm asking. Okay. Learnfromlooking.com and then plan-plant-planet.com are the big two resources. And Charlie has, has shared with you his um, five-star points um, process to his secret to a highly effective life. He's talked about the three C's, critical thinking, collaboration and innovation, community engagement. He has talked about hard work. Anything worth having is worth working for. And the other thing he said, talked about tenacity. All right. You've got to keep at it to get at it, to be at it. Charlie, um, I know you have a celebrity following and I'm not going to list any of the names that you know, you have shared with me of, of people, but I, I know that a lot of very important people are part of um, your program and part of um, helping save this planet and helping us save our own lives. Uh, if you had one ask, ASK, or one wish that could come true, and the reason why I'm asking this, because I just had um, one of my granters of a wish show up on my podcast last week, Miss Monique Wells. She has helped not only two people that I have asked this question, but three. Um, she has granted their wish. Most people go through their whole life and they never have one dream come true. And three people that have been on this show's guest has had a total stranger that is listening to this podcast. And I say this all the time. The circle of friends that I have, they don't drive by an accident. They stop to help. You are also one of those people. But I, 
There are things that you may need too. If you had one ask, I'm going to sit back and pause a little bit and say, what would your ask be? If someone can help you, what do you need? So I think with, with your network inside of, um, the community of even some of the fitness and the athletes, whether it's some uh, basketball celebrities that you've connected with that are um, superstars competing with potentially even Michael Jordan for the GOAT spot, that there are <laughs> mentors that the youth see as influencing everything from the pop music, whether it's the hip hop or the sports. It's finding the way for the people in a leadership position of pop culture authority to share some of this story about wellness, that it's not about just getting the the hotshot latest release of the sneaker or the album, you know, and the and the and the music, but just about what you put in your body, as opposed to what you purchase for your body. You see what I'm saying? I think we become right. so materialistic with buying goods that we feel value in what we may wear as clothes versus what we feel in terms of nutrition. And so it would be kind of on my wish list, getting more of the celebrity athletes and entertainers to start talking about what they put in their bodies and inspiring the young the young people to do the same. I, I will definitely pass that on to my social circle. I am not going to out you with one of the, the stars that um, are, are going to become a part of, uh, of your world. But I watched this uh, movie with Lady Gaga. Oh, did I just drop a hint? <laughs> but um, you know, Charles, I'm I'm going to tell you, you're a wonderful human being. You you've not only been a good friend. I thank you for coming on the show and being a guest and sharing your story. I would strongly advise to for everyone that is listening to this to buy your book, to turn the pages of, of the book, and I'm also asking anyone and everyone if you want to have a sit down with Charles. Um, reach out to him and he's going to tell you one more time how to get in touch with him before we sign off. Easy. That's the learnfromlooking.com or the plan-plant-planet.com. Kevin, thank you so much for having me today. And thank you for, for sharing your secrets to your success of a highly effective person. Charles, you, you, like I said, you're a gift and there's an open seat um, for you on my show anytime. And if you want to bring back a guest, if there's something that you are promoting and there's a story to be told, you know, my whole platform is about people sh uh, that we should know. And you are the, definitely one of the people we should know. And I thank you 1,000 times over and over. Um, you, you're, you are a gift. Uh, and I'm glad to have you as a friend. And I'm glad to have you showcase 100 of um, the most uh, highly effective people and you sharing your secrets to your success. Thank you, sir. Thanks again, Kevin. Okay. And to our listeners, we have given you a lot of information. I hope we entertained you a little bit. If you like what you have heard, go to RMK Productions and Network on our YouTube page. I'd like for you to um, subscribe and follow if you like and share this. If you want to be part on, on the show or you have someone that we should showcase, go to info at rmkproductions.org. Uh, and, and again, um, Charlie, thank you, thank you, thank you. My grandfather always said, when you get to a place in life and you can help someone else, he said it's your duty to do so. He said, reach one, teach one. And with that said, we'll fade to black and we are out. <laughs>